We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Talking Buffalo, featuring conversations with guests from around the world of sports, media, pop culture, and all things Buffalo, with your host, Patrick Moran. All right, what is going on, everybody? How you doing? Welcome to another episode of Talking Buffalo, part of the Blue Warrior Network. It is late on a Thursday night, and we are live. Here at Imperial Pizza in South Buffalo, live from Imperial Series. I'm joined today by a good friend. First time we've done a podcast together in person, and it's that time of year, Savers Prospects. My man, Chris Baker. What's going on, dude? How you doing? Doing great. Full. <laughs> so for those, uh, it's too bad you didn't have the camera rolling when we were. Oh, my Absolutely. God. It was a murder scene, crime scene over at that table right there. It really was. Yeah. We ate. Sorry. So let me, <laughs> let me set the scene before we started doing this show. And as we do from time to time here at Imperial Pizza, we had wings and you're a wings guy. And, you know, I, I love wings. We did. We didn't eat wings tonight. Like we attacked them here, man. They well, were. I knew I was coming here. Plus I, we were hungry. I, had, I, had, I had an early lunch. So I was like ready to go, ready to go. But I'm trying to like get in tight to the table so no one sees my my belly right now and i'm, <laughs> I'm used to loosen the belt up on that yeah no but no it's great to be here man i'm excited uh it's gonna be a fun season ahead and we're just getting into it man you know i'm still kind of in like half like i still have like a i'm halfway in you know i still have like a summer mode, a little bit a little of summer bit. mode yeah, still summer mode. still dressing like it's summer <laughs> it's but, nice uh, out so the plan was we, we i've been doing these outside for most of the summer when we have them here and we got a nice booth set up for the inside. And I came here all day long. I'm like, all right, so we're going to go back inside. But when I got here, I was like, still nice out. I mean, it's getting a little bit chilly because it's after 8 o'clock. But, like, this is Buffalo, man. And it's when it's like this, you got to take advantage. You got to be outside when you can. Still technically summer, I think, on the calendar, too, isn't yeah. it? At least for, like, a few more hours. What's it? Oh, that's, ooh. I think it's, yeah. So it's like, no, I feel good, man. And, um, well, we got to squeeze every ounce of summer out of the tube, man. So we're literally doing it right now. Most people will yeah. be listening to this on Friday. So actually, technically, it will be fall then, right? Well, happy fall, everyone. <laughs> happy fall. Yeah, and again, for everybody who's watching this live on YouTube, we'll be watching this uh, later on. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Uh, Chris and I are obviously going to be talking Buffalo Sabres. Training camp started today on Thursday. Uh, the Prospects Challenge was last week, which you called in the booth. We'll talk about that as well. Again, live here from Imperial Pizza. I had, all right, so I've done about, I don't know, 15, maybe more of these shows live here at Imperial. And I always have different, like, kind of wing combinations. And last week I had Nate Gary here. And we had honey mustard barbecue chard. We had hot chivetta chard. And we had medium lemon pepper. And I liked them so much last week. Of all the times I've had wings here, I rolled it back. I ran it back with Chris Baker. I had literally, that's what we just had uh, tonight before. Like I said, I know you're a wing guy. You've had wings at a lot of places. This, this is a really good spot, man, for wings. I'm a big fan of this place. No, I was uh, excited to try them and happy I did. Yeah. I, I especially like the honey mustard barbecue. I thought those were. Yeah, that's. Those I were, call those the Marcel Louis Jacques yeah, special, those man. Are solid. Yeah, well, those, you should call them the Chris Baker special. I didn't, I didn't leave Buffalo. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not abandoned in this town. <laughs> No, you're not a traitor. No, no, not yet. No, but like I said, <laughs> it was funny because you know usually we come in here, you know, shoot the shit a little bit, but we like we got right down to business tonight. We did, we did. Just just came in uh, real hungry. But anyway, 
before we talk about the Sabres, and I've had you on the show many times, and a lot of people know what you do. And one of my favorite things about you, and it's always been one of my favorite things about you in this market, this media market, is what you do is unique to me. You know, we live live in a content space right now, and this is no disrespect to anybody out there, especially on the Bill side. Um, there's some great content creators. And at the end of the day, there's a million Bills podcasts. And on the Sabres side, not as much, but it's getting there. It's growing. Yes. But it's kind of like the same thing with a little bit of different flavor. You know what I mean? Like some people will break down Bills games, for an example, different ways or talk about different things. But at the end of the day, it's kind of all the same. Um, and it's just a, your preference of who you like and who you think does the best job. What you do is completely different. Nobody that I know, at least any anyway, it covers prospects. Certainly not on your level, but just period. That's kind of how, at least in this market, at least in my eyes anyway, how you've kind of like cut your bones yeah. in this media market, focusing on prospects. Um, let me ask you this. Like, what made you decide that that's what you want to do as opposed to, say, talking about and focusing all your energy on, like, say, the Buffalo Sabres? For people, and by the way, for yeah. most people already know this, but for people who don't, Chris focuses on Sabres prospects literally on Twitter. That's what your handle is, Sabres prospects, the blog. You've been doing it for a long time now, and you do it better than anyone else. But anyway, what made you decide that that's the avenue that you want to go? I was always a draft nut as a little kid, young mm -hmm. kid. So I grew up in a hockey family, played the sport, um, you know, had a brother that played at a very high level, played D1, mm -hmm. you know, was in the Olympic program, you know, 16, 17. Um, it was just kind of something I was always in a rink. I think just amateur hockey, um, being infatuated with the draft as a kid, it was just kind of a natural progression yeah. to, you know, when you get older and you still want to be into it, you know, then you're on message boards and you're talking about it and you're talking, you know, you, you watch hockey, you're a Sabres fan of the NHL, but mm -hmm. there's, there's a story that like needed to be told of players when they're 17, 18, 19, we don't see them in the NHL sometimes till they're 22, 23. Yeah. And it was an opportunity yeah. also. So, um, that was really what it was. It was just the actual love and understanding, by the way. I always felt like I understood that level in hockey development. You're drafting players at 18. They change rapidly from their 18 until they arrive in the NHL. And knowing the leagues, I think having a background in the leagues and how they work and how they function, the history of those leagues, I think helped. But no, a lot of it was also opportunity. When I started doing the website, that was 2008. You know, it's funny you say that. I, we go back that yeah, far man. now. I remember yeah. the Ted Black era. Remember when the Sabres first started like getting into like alternative media and they started trying yeah. to form relationships with blogs? I remember they had, what was it? A, something Summit. They used to have a Summit. Yeah, yeah Summit. That's where we first met, though. Yeah. That, and that was, that's going back I was for telling a while someone now. today about that. Like, you know, like I always have time for Pat because like <laughs> he's one of the OGs, man. Yeah. But, um, no, it was opportunity. It was like covering prospects was just another like spoke in this wheel of hockey coverage in the town and just started doing it just out of the love of it. It was a labor of love and in many ways it still is. But um, along the way, it's just become, you know, I've spent a lot of my hours doing it and I enjoy doing it. Talk about the growth of it because, you know, it's gotten to levels now where I, I feel like people know you and they especially know your work. But, you know, what at the time in those early days, doing something that's completely different. It took a while for it to catch on to like the, the general Buffalo Sabres fan, not just a hardcore fan. Yeah. I think Twitter helped social media helped with sure. branding. No right. doubt about it. Um, being consistent with social media, I think helped engaging fans, trying to not say no to a lot of things, a lot of opportunities. Don't say no, especially when you're young and you're starting out, you're not above any opportunity to talk to someone. Right. Um, but I think also, you know, there were things that the Sabres did themselves that put what I did under more of a spotlight, like when they were, you know, angling for McDavid and Eichel in 2013 and 2014, that put a greater focus on what I was doing, regardless of how I felt about it. Yeah. Um, you know, I was working, I was doing regular work for the Sabres at the time. There was a lockout. The only hockey that was going on in, in that lockout was junior hockey and the Sabres had prospects. That was, you know, Grigorenko was playing in Quebec and, you know, all these guys. So, I mean, there were things that happened in the sport and also in the Sabres that also helped advance my work. Not the level of it or not the, you know, not the quality of it, but I think just the, <laughs> the attention that it got, you know what I mean? And um, no, but then from there, you know, I stepped back also a little bit a couple of years ago. And then last year just kind of reemerged, refreshed and um, 
I, I think that I'm better than ever now. Yeah. With what I do. Yeah. Yeah. I agree for sure. Watching games in players that nobody's ever heard of and not even just like in this country, like literally, literally all over the world. You know, it's easy to be, let's say I'm new to becoming a Sabres fan right now, just hypothetically. It's kind of easy to catch up with the team. You know, there's so many outlets. But like I said, when it comes to prospects, and this is what I love about you. One of the things I love about you anyway, that, and you might be the only person I know who drinks wine with wings. Dude, <laughs> I don't care, man. I got no shame. I love that, I love man. wine, man. I love Well, that you said shit. I'm unique. You are unique. So I guess so I might as well live it all the way down to the, the wine with wings. Like just <clears throat> watching these games, and they're at all different times too. Like sometimes I'll, I'll see you on Twitter at 9.30 in the morning tweeting about some game going on in Sweden. You know what I mean? It's uh, it's great. It's a big commitment, that's for sure. Dude, for years, though, the Sabres were only drafting guys in Canada and yeah. the States, and every North Friday Americans. night, Saturday night, every player that they had was playing. Now they're drafting guys in Russia, Sweden, Finland, Czech Republic, and yeah. it's awesome because it spreads out the workload. Um, and frankly, it's easier for me to kind of not have 15 guys playing on Friday and Saturday night. You know, you get a sum in the morning, you know, um, it works really well for the schedule. I'm thankful. Keep, you know, if the Sabres like they're watching, but if you're watching, keep that drafting is, European surprised. players. Keep drafting surprised. European players because I like it. Let me tell you something. <laughs> not, not not to throw any shade at the Buffalo Sabres because I'm pretty high on the Sabres right now and I've been pretty vocal about this too, but maybe two or so years ago when they were playing really, really shitty consistently and I'd have like Joe Yurden on or something and I would be really negative on the Sabres. Let's just Say I heard about You'd it. You'd heard about it. Yeah, I can <laughs> see that. I can see that. Yeah, so I, I would hear about it. But you spoke of, like, taking a step back for a while, yeah. too. And, and now you feel like you're better than ever in your recharge. How important was that at that time? Because I kind of have felt that way at times. And I know a lot of other people who do content kind of feel that same way. You get a little bit, burned, maybe at least virgin on being burned out. You kind of need to step back. But then you recharge. I get burned out every year yeah. in March, April. And then the draft comes and it kind of, you know, drops a little bit of gasoline on, mm -hmm. uh, you know, so you take a little break then. But no, I think just going hard, um, you know, at the height of it in like the, you know, 2013, 2014, 2015, there was radio every week. There was a lot of TV stuff, which I didn't always enjoy, you know what I mean? Because yeah. uh, I just like sitting in my house and doing what I was doing, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? And kind of took me out of the comfort zone. But no, I think it just got to be too much. I had changes. I do have a job. You know, I'm a director of sales for a large company and it's responsible yep. for a large book of business that's taxing on its own. And I think just, um, you know, buying a house, getting a dog, having other responsibilities besides sitting there watching stuff. I just wanted to pay attention to those things, which I thought were more important at the time. while still doing hockey stuff. It's not at the same level and the same velocity every day, every week. So it was good to just kind of chill out. But you know what? When you give something up and you realize how much you like it and love it, yeah, it's just part of your soul. Then you have to get back in touch with it, and that's what happened really last year. You know, I, I never thought of it until you were just talking now, and then I'm like, oh yeah, you know, all the times I've had you on the show, which has been again many times. Um, this is the first time where I'm not going to hear any dogs barking. In fact, I got a there's a guy, his kid, his name is PK. He's with a, an outlet called Buffalo Sports Collective. Nice little podcast. They focus mainly on bandit stuff, but they do bills and sabers stuff as well anyway i've been having them on my show a little bit here and there and every time i have them on at some point you'll hear his dogs or you'll see him and now we're doing video of the deal man. you'll we're see his dogs deal. i'm like yo you're, you're chris baker we got you just got baker <laughs> dude my dog comes in on, on, your my, show. on my shot all the time and she sits there and stares at me and that's why i know it's time to go man she's the boss perfect transition because that's what i want to ask you about next it's one thing you know you've been on t you've done a lot of tv stuff you've done a lot of radio stuff obviously at the blog for a long time now you do have your own show that's available on YouTube called Prospect Avenue. You started that recently. And let me also say this too. I give you a lot of credit going back even like two years or so now. You were kind of like pushing me a little bit like it's time to get on the video side because for a long time people were already jumping on video. I was like adamant that I don't want to do video. I just want to do audio, but you could just, just see where video is growing to. But anyway, I give you a lot of credit for that because you really kind of nudge me in that direction going back a couple of years but anyway now you have your own show on video on youtube as well talk about what made you want to start that i like talking about prospects mm -hmm. number one i like talking about the draft i like talking about the sabers and it's just another outlet for me to sit down in the comfort of my home and just do something different mm -hmm. i always felt like you know like when you're born now 
you get like a baby blanket, a slap on the ass, and you get a podcast URL. I was like the last guy that didn't have a podcast forever. And uh, it was time to, you know, stop maybe doing everyone else's. No offense to you. I mean, I'm still going to do your podcast whenever you want me, but it was time to maybe stop doing everyone else's and start doing my own and have, um, you know, creative control, control over my over message it. a little bit more and mix in some other things. Um, but no, Prospect Avenue, I'm trying to do it, you know, once a week, once every week and a half, depending on my schedule. Be frequent, uh, you know, be, be regular, be consistent and kind of bring what I've expressed on Twitter or other spots that I've done to my own show with regularity, build an audience, make it interactive. The goal is to go live every week, mm -hmm. but right now I'm not, I'm going to still kind of pre-record. I have a strategy around that, and yeah. then, but the idea is I want it to be interactive. I want to get my balls busted by fans. I want to bust balls back in return. Yeah, that could be fun. I, I want it to be, you know, I want to answer chat, but um, it's also very hard to like drive, manage a chat, talk. It is. Show. It's difficult. I got to figure that part out, but um, no, I'm excited to do it. It's just something different. It's the, like I said, it's the next part of the evolution of what I'm doing in this space. Yeah. Look, man, I've been doing these now for quite a while. The video side I'm talking and it's hard enough sometimes doing them, whether you're doing them solo, whether you have a guest via StreamYard or Zoom or whatever, or especially when you're doing these live. I ain't going to lie. People will send in comments and shit. I appreciate everybody who's watching. Yeah. But I'm doing this by myself at this point. I'm just not going to be able to get them. Not in this kind of setting. If it's home, it's a different story anyway. But how much, even if it's new to you doing your own podcast, again, you've done a million other shows as a guest, but just that comfort level you have, I could tell just by, through your first couple episodes, the comfort level's there. And I'm sure a lot of it has to do with because of how much media that you've done, broadcasting, podcasting, all kinds of stuff like that. I do a lot of speaking at my job too. My day yeah. job as a leader in the organization, you're always in front of people and you're speaking and yeah, I'm not the greatest at it, but I mean, it, it, it you bring a lot of that, but you bring a lot of that back to the thing that I love doing, which is this, you know, I, I feel like it's comfort and confidence. Even if like, if you're comfortable and confident in yourself, that used to be my biggest thing, especially well, first audio side then video. I just didn't feel comfortable and confident. Like what are other people or how many people are watching right now? What are they saying? What am, what am I doing wrong? Then it just got to a point where, like, I treat this right now. There's lights on. There's this is a nice house, by the way, here at Imperial tonight. Yeah, Good crowd, it's beauty. To me, you and I are just we got microphones and shit. This is the same, almost the same shit we'd be talking about when we were just smashing some wings it's here. It's literally no different, except my hands don't have sauce all over them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, by the way, look, those lemon pepper medium. I, I can only have a couple of those, man. They they just too too much. They're strong. They were good though. Oh, they, they were, were great, good, man. I'm not hot chevette charred guy. That that's yeah, that's no, my go-to yeah. now. Yeah. But um, anyway, I'm I, know, I was I was dipping my finger in the sauce. Every time I yeah. think of wings, I I can't help it. I just start talking about them and, <laughs> and kind of go off on the deep end. But no, but to your point though about doing a podcast and just kind of being comfortable, just be like, and that's actually for anyone that's thinking about doing mm -hmm. it. Just unapologetically be yourself. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. the audience that you're supposed to have will find you. Yeah. And they'll watch you. And it's not to get all philosophical or whatever, but that's life in general. It is. You know, you in hockey is something that most people know you by. I know you well enough to know that you are so huge with golf too. Like golf is at worst, it's your let me ask you this. Power rank your favorite sports. I know hockey's gonna be one hockey's and golf's one. gonna be two. Yeah. Like if I ever say, Chris, give me your top five. Like, what's your top five? To like sports? play, watch. No, to watch, just to, to be watch? involved, to, to, to watch, to enjoy. Yeah. I mean, I like watching football. I like watching college hoops. I mean, that's no surprise. Um, you know, it's interesting. Like I, you know, I play, I like watching tennis. Really? I, re I really do. Like, you know, the majors, I'm not watching, you know, some rando yeah, tournament, not. you know, <laughs> Rancho Cucamonga. No, no, I'm not, but I don't watch yet. But I mean, I like watching tennis, um, especially now. Like there's really great young talent in sport. I like watching volleyball. Really? Yeah. It's, I like fast sports. Um, you know, the Olympics, I tune into those every four years. And Golf's the opposite the of fast, though. Why? Well, you said you Because I, I like playing, and I think there's a. I, I'm infatuated by the science of golf, the engineering of the clubs, the physics of, you know, the club hitting the ground, and the ball going in the air, and all that shit. I mean, I'm I'm into golf a lot. I'm into the betting. Is that in recent lot. years? Is that something that goes back a long time? Goes back a while, but yeah. I think the more the older that I've gotten, and the more that I've you know, afforded myself a lifestyle to golf a lot. I've gotten into it more on the professional side. When what really got me in golf, surprisingly, I think what's might be surprising to a lot of people is the strokes gained data for golf. I'm infatuated with, I think that golf stats are the most predictive of all sports analytics because it's one 
it's all players. You're managing, you're measuring their individual stats. They're playing one ball each on the same course or playing against the course. If you know the grass type, if you know the course type and the, the statistics that are unique mm -hmm. to the, each of those courses, cause it's a different course set up every week. Yeah. Then it's, um, I think like I've been really hot on the betting trail. I was using I, I, I didn't want to say I was like yeah. you know Chris Baker's been known to throw down a, a puck or two on a on a golf event every now yeah, and then. Yeah, and I'm not, that's not you know <laughs> I don't want to get into it but like but it's fun. There's it's something great about having a sweat on a Sunday when you have a guy at the top of the leaderboard and he's like, you know, coming down 16, 17, 18, holding a one-shot lead with a pack of great players behind him, man. It's it's a sweat, man. There's a lot more drama in golf than I originally gave credit for. Like when I was younger, I wasn't a big golf guy. Yeah. I have game one Kind of like a lot of people, the Tiger Woods era kind of really got me into the sport um, a lot more. But yeah, it could get intense. But you're right, though. It's a slower sport. And like the fast, one of the fastest sports is auto racing, and I'm not into it. Right. Me so, you know what I mean? So, I shouldn't I should like try to brand myself as like he's like a fast sports guy. I'm just saying, like a lot of those, like bang, bang, you know, I like that. But like baseball, I have a hard time watching baseball now. And I used to love baseball. Did you grow up playing baseball? Oh, yeah. I grew up playing baseball, you know, pitch, played short, like a lot of athletes, you know what I mean? Like you're into it, played it. It just, I don't know, something happened to the sport where I just kind of found other things and, you know, I'll, I'll watch it during the playoffs every now and then, or at least follow it, but I'm not watching it like I used to as a kid, man. I was a I'm Cubs fan. You. I'm with you. In fact, I would say my life's gotten busier between, yeah. you know, I also have a, a real job. I'm doing this podcast literally every day now, Monday through Friday. So I'm doing five shows a week. I work a part-time job three nights a week as well. And uh, I have other hobbies in some form of social life. So you can't have time for everything. Something's got to be sacrificed. And for me, it's kind of been baseball. Yeah. You know, I'm a I used to be, I still play. I was a huge fantasy baseball guy, man. I can't even, I don't even know half the teams that are doing good right now this year. I don't even know a lot of the all-star players. That's I'm, how much. I'm interested in watching again now that they've apparently sped the games up. I mean, the last game that I was at, I was out at the, that's how long it's been since I've been to an MLB game. It was a 2010 NHL draft in LA. And we went and saw... Yankees at Badger Stadium. Mm -hmm. Kershaw was pitching. It was a four plus hour game, nine innings. Didn't go extra innings. I'm like, I don't have time for this, man. No. But I it sounds like they sped it up and I'd love going to a game just hanging out and having a couple I wouldn't drink wine. I might actually drink beer. Yeah. You know, but um, You don't have a, a cold beer, too. You're yeah. not exclusive. Oh yeah, wine. yeah. I'm just this has been a wine summer for me, man. It has. Sauvignon <laughs> Blanc, baby. I'm not so you were here about I don't know, maybe a month or so ago. It was like kind of like a guy's night out. It was it was Bakes. It was um Tim Graham, Matthew Fairburn, and uh who else? John Vogel. Vogel. Yeah. First time I see John Vogel in forever, man. Good to see that guy. But anyway, yeah, tying him on, man. Pounding out some little well, hay burners for Tim and I drank a bottle of wine that, that night. Wine. I drank a bottle after that wine. Yeah, yeah, I drank a bottle that night. <laughs> You're gonna have to have wine back to baseball real quick. Then we're gonna get into the Sabres. <laughs> I was living in Florida at the time when COVID was going on, and then Toronto played some games here. And I remember a lot of talk, and I understand why yeah. at the time, you know, could Buffalo support a major league team? I never really felt that even then, and I think it's kind of been sort of proven no. since they came here. Nothing against this market. This is a great market with great fans, but major league baseball, thats I, don't, I just don't think this city would be uh, – is built to, to have a major league baseball team. I don't think so. And I think there's plenty of, you know, I mean, it's, and it's not because of Yankees fans, Blue Jays, Guardians, I guess we call them now. I don't know if you've been out of the game that long. Cleveland's now the Guardians, in case you didn't know that. I, I, okay, I didn't yeah. know that. Um, not that attitude, by the way. Uh, Robbie Deb commented more golf betting talk. <laughs> yeah, Robbie, I could definitely do that, man. Trust me. No, Sa Sahit Thagala went off at 18 to 1 last week, Robbie, and we got a hit on that one. Um, <laughs> But no, um, I don't think they could. But I mean, you know, maybe uh, as far as sports that aren't here, I could see maybe basketball being being supported. NBA, and I, and I believe you're on record of saying that you would give up the Sabers to I get would. an NBA team, which I think you're out of your you're out of your mind. But, <laughs> you could swear but all you the power to. to you. You know what I mean? I mean, <laughs> I would. I'm not gonna yeah. lie. I know that's unpopular. Yeah, I wouldn't. You, I wouldn't. You wouldn't. I, yeah. I know you wouldn't. And I know most <laughs> fans in this city wouldn't. I would. Yeah. I grew up a big basketball guy. I still am. Um, Baseball, I, I really, I wouldn't give up the Sabres for a major league baseball team, though. Yeah, but I would for basketball. It'd be nice to have something to do in the summer, like sports wise, you know. Yeah. But no, no, I'm not feeling it. No, two two pro teams here is enough. You know what I mean? Plus, and no disrespect to the Bandits and the Bisons as well. But um, for 
the Sabres prospect challenge was last week. We'll, we'll talk about that like more specifically, but first talk about your experience in the booth for this. It was three, uh, three sets of games, right? And you were there with Razor and uh, Dunleavy. Just talk about that experience over the past week, just being able to be in the booth and do color. And you were telling me over wings here, it's, it's hard. It's hard to do color sometimes. It's certainly hard. Yeah, no, it is. It's difficult. It's not the same as watching, um, you know, well, first of all, if you don't do it a lot, it's difficult, you know, mm -hmm. because, you know, we watch games all the time with our buddies at a bar or in your living room and you're commenting on the game, but it's different sure. when the mics are hot and you have an audience kind of hanging on mm -hmm. to what you're saying. Um, I think that I've done color before for Time Warner, did Kinesis games, Niagara games, RIT, things like that, Atlantic hockey, and you have a replay monitor. You don't have the luxury there when you're doing it mm -hmm. here, you know what I mean? It's very difficult. You have to really pay attention. I... But the biggest thing I walked away from, I guess, a couple things. Number one, um, Razor is really, really good yeah. at what he does. He's very smart, um, especially that third game. I think he was, like, getting into preseason mode. You know, the next broadcast he was going to do his first preseason game this Sunday in Washington, and he was on fire. Yeah. Um, Razor's really, really, really good at what he does. He's worked hard. Yes, he has, and he's gotten he's really improved yeah. um, at it. I, I don't think he was ever bad. He, you know, everyone everyone in the media takes a beating from certain people, sure. including Razor. He's not exempt from that. I'm not exempt. You're not exempt. Razor's awesome at what he does. Right. Um, I think the other thing that I walked away from is um, just it's really cool just being afforded the opportunity to that call games cool. with an NHL broadcast team. Man, yeah. I mean, I did it over the summer with them. Um, we did the three on three tournament for development camp which was incredibly hard because it's up and down. And when you're doing color, especially with another color person, you have to find a spot to fit in your comment. When the play gets over the blue line, you should shut up, man. That's kind of the rule. And um, let Dan take over and describe the play and, and bring, you know, words to the pictures. But um, it was just another example, though. I think the, the opportunity to do that with them was great. For, like, Rob and Dan, it's like, you know, they're, they're going to get ready to do you know, five, six preseason games, whatever it is, they're going to do 80 plus games. Mm -hmm. And then they're hopefully do 16, a minimum of 16 playoff games for them. It was just another game probably for me. I had the time of my life. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was really cool. Um, I would know. imagine, I would imagine I've never done it. I wouldn't know, but I would imagine doing hockey color just generally, even if there is monitors that it'd probably be harder to learn and do because of the action as opposed to say football, football, there's a lot of action, but there's a break. 20 to 30 seconds in between every single play. You know, there's a play, yeah. and then the color commentator, like Eric Wood, he's become really good at this over the last couple of years. By the way, Eric's going to be on this show pretty soon. Uh, looking forward to having him back on. But anyway, Eric talked about that with me before. I've just got the comfort zone in, in learning the time in between plays to kind of develop. But hockey feels like it's much more bam, 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 on the go. It is, but you know, it was nice having Razor there. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of times I would say something and it was almost to, for the purpose of teeing him up and he would complete the thought. I thought we worked really well together, especially Saturday. I walked away from Saturday just saying, you know, I felt like we had a really good broadcast. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and it was a good game. It was a quality. The, the on-ice product that we were covering was really good. Um, Monday night, the Sabres lost. It was a more difficult game. It was a more difficult game to call. And I told Dan, I said, you know, man, if I don't have anything to say, I'm not going to say anything. You know, you don't want dead right. air, but if you don't have something to say, don't say anything. Right. And, it, and it's okay. It's okay. Sometimes there's going to be seven, eight seconds where on the picture, there's going to be guys skating around. Dan's taking a breather and I'm taking a breather. That's okay. And Razor apparently didn't have anything to say in those instances either. So I think it was the right call. But no, it was really, it was a good experience. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We are live here at Imperial Pizza on a Thursday night. Thank you, everybody. If you're watching this live or checking out the video on Friday or listening, of course, wherever podcasts are form, I appreciate you all uh, very much. I'm with Chris Baker, Sabres Prospects. Um, right before, just a few minutes ago, we were talking about, you know, just your experience being in the booth. I'm not going to lie to you, man. I just had so much going on this past week. I really wasn't dialed in much at all to the Prospects Challenge, but it was something that I was looking forward to, and I know – it definitely had some significance. Looking back now, talking about it on Thursday with training camp now started, what were like one or two of like your biggest takeaways from what you saw during the Prospects Challenge? And then I'll ask you about Matt Savoy, of course, getting hurt. That's big news. But yeah. what were a couple of your biggest takeaways? So there's two that are they're not really like player specific. I think um, if the Sabres stylistically this season at the NHL level want to play like they did, and at the in the prospect tournament, they're going to play fast. The defensemen were getting the puck, and they were just head up, scanning the ice, quick to move the puck up ice. And they have defensemen um, that are going to be very roving in nature. Um, mm-hmm. You saw the defensemen up in the play, supporting the offensive zone attack. They're not just both guys standing on the blue line. They're in the play. They're coming down beneath the faceoff circles. They're jumping in. It wasn't just them playing, like thinking the game fast, playing fast, moving the puck fast. There wasn't a lot of side-to-side passing from the D. They were getting it, up ice, and then they were joining the attack. That's one thing that really stood out to me. Number two is just the the depth. And keep in mind, you don't see all of the prospects that the Sabres have. There's a lot of guys playing in Europe that right. don't come over. But the guys that they did have here was representative of the depth that they have at all the positions and the different roles. So the Sabres haven't been just drafting guys that are going to be all aspiring 25-30 goal scorers. You have a guy like Tyson Kozak. Who might have been? He was a late round draft pick. Might have been one of the best players they had, and consistently over the three games. All right. That might be, at best, a third line centerman. Maybe more reasonably, a fourth line centerman. And they have these guys that are going to be very efficient, proficient at different roles. This like Kozak's going to be power uh, penalty kill, face offs, and chipping a little bit of offense. But he's going to be really good at it. Yeah. You can tell, and that's important if you're looking to build a winner. You're not just developing guys to play in your top six, and then you're like, oh, shit, i got to find out all these other right. guys around out the lineup. Yeah. They're actually going to have prospects to bring up in those roles. So you were impressed with the depth and like certain guys that you look down the road and like, these could be bottom six forwards or third-line defensemen in this team. You know, Depth and versatility. Yeah. yeah. You have guys you can confidently uh, slot into to important. I think they're all important roles. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's not like when you play NHL on um, – you know, PlayStation or Xbox and you just roll one line, you know, like, you know, you need four lines and you need three sets of D and you need that depth. Um, and they seemingly have guys who are going to be really good. In How did Isaac Rosine look? I, I've read some stuff yeah. on him, said he looked pretty good, you know, and he, he almost gets lost in the sauce a little bit among some of the names like with Savoy and Kulik now and, and Benson, the first round pick. Tell us a little about Rosine, what you saw from him. Rosine. He looks bigger. Um, he looks faster. He just looks more confident. You know, one of the things that you bring away from this event every year is the rookies, the guys that are there for the first time, you're expecting them to be a little nervous and you're expecting those nerves to show, but you're also at the same time expecting the guy that's, that's been there and done that to look like he's been there and done that. He came in with confidence. That's how Rosane mm-hmm. was this year. That's how Kulik was. Um, so no, I think overall you have a really, you know, I think, you know, you want him to go back and, and be comfortably a 25 goal scorer in Rochester this year. That's kind of the objective for him. Yeah. And it looks like he has all the ability to do it this year. Fast, he, he very good acceleration, but just more confident. He's not timid. And the thing I like about Rosane is I think he's going to be one of those versatile guys that his speed is going to be an asset on the penalty kill, which is going to get him on the ice more. He's not mm. just going to be a power play guy. He's not going to be playing five on five. You're going to be able to use him in more situations. So I thought he was fantastic. Uh, uh, on Friday and Saturday. He didn't play Monday. Right. Um, and neither did Kulik didn't play Monday either, yeah. right? But Savoy did. And yeah. then he got hurt for about a minute. Seconds. Yeah. yeah, like in his first shift into the game. Talk about that, the the injury and how that's going to impact him. Also, for casual fans, again, because the minor leagues in, in hockey are different 
than other sports, and it can be a little bit complicated. Yeah. From what I understand, and correct me if I'm wrong, like if Savoy doesn't play with the Sabres, he can't play in Rochester. He's got to go to the WHL. Is that correct? That's correct, yeah. So in short, I'll make this short. There's an um, an agreement between the Canadian Junior League, the CHL, and the NHL. They call it the NHL-CHL agreement mm -hmm. where um, unless you have – you have to have four years of junior seasons completed before you can play in the AHL if you're drafted out of the Canadian Hockey League. Or you have to turn 20 by December 31st of the season being played. Mm. Matt Savoy is going to be 19 on December 31st this year. He turns 20 on January 1st. Okay. Oh, are you kidding so me? So he's NHL or CHL this year. He can't go to Rochester. So what do you this, think of that rule? Um, I've always been a supporter of the rule, mm -hmm. but I think, and I covered this on the last edition of Prospect Avenue. Yep. I, I got to get a plug in. Oh, plug um, go back and, you know, there's five minutes where I talk about it briefly. It's not just about Savoy. I think it's just, I, I think that a tweak to the rule would be um, for first rounders only and in that second post draft year when they're 19. Okay. Give them a, an exception. I, I'm not for petitioning as one-offs where, you know, every team's are like, oh, this guy this year, maybe we'll go and we'll petition to get it done. No, I'm not for that. I'm not for one-off. Create a tweak, and it adds more juice to that first-round draft status for guys that are taken out of the CHL. Sure, yeah. Kind of like being a first-rounder and getting that, that slotting in the, uh, yeah. the, the option here, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I think it'd be cool. Um, but, I, yeah, I'm not um, – I've been a supporter of the role because I like having the junior league stocked with good talent, and I don't think it hurts players, but – at the same time, let's be more fair to the NHL teams that are developing these players. I could use them, especially in a cap year. Getting guys up on entry-level contracts are important. Talk about Savoy. Like I said, what you saw from him pre-injury. Um, and obviously, you know, I, I saw it today. I think Kevin Adams said that he would probably be out at least a couple weeks. Yeah. Like maybe all the training camp. I'm sure that's going to kill any chance. You know, yeah. I think I, I think I read or heard he had aspirations at least. Oh, they all do. Of making the roster, you know, out of camp. That's clearly not going to happen now at this point, is it? I think if Friday's game or Saturday's game, he was good in both games that he played before getting hurt. Um, his speed is NHL ready. I think a guy like that, he's smallish. He has to get bigger and stronger. He's gonna. You have to expect that he's going to get knocked around a little bit. Mm -hmm. But he has that tenacity, that willingness to engage, and he gets up when he gets knocked down. He gets right back in the play. That's important. Um, he's not timid. So um, he, looked, he looked really good. I mean, he played with his line mate, Zach Benson. They were excellent together. They yeah. played off each other. They read each other well. Savoy scored some goals. He made some good defensive plays. If that play was any indication, he'd be right there in the mix for that job that is seemingly open until at least Jack Quinn comes back to health. I want to talk about Jack Quinn yeah. because, I mean, that sucks. As a fan, I wish, as you know, God's agreed I could come up with something better to say. I'm just going to be a fan here. That shit sucks. Yeah. He's going to be out till like, around at least, at least Christmas time. Three months. How big of a blow yeah. is that to this team right now? It's a big blow because, I mean, he was a steady presence on that second line and expected to be there again in the top six. You know, he played on that line with Cousins and Paterka last year. They were excellent. Most yeah. nights, you know, as a young line, they had some down nights. But that's one of the things where Jack Quinn just went home this summer. He had a full season of NHL. He knows what to expect, mm. what it's going to take for him to become a 25-30 goal scorer, be the next Dylan Cousins yeah. in production. Yeah. So, um, no, it's a huge blow. Because in terms of goal scoring, shooting skill, guys that can find soft spots and, and score goals, that's what Jack Quinn does. He scores goals. It's a blow to the team, but it's also an opportunity now. I was going to ask you that. Who, who, who do you think who can fill? Who's who's most capable of filling that role that they're going to lose for the first couple months of the season at least with Jack Quinn out? Well, here's the thing. I mean, so everyone wants to talk about Yuri Kulik, which I will be happy to talk about. Mm -hmm. um, everyone wants to talk about, you know, I, I would say Lucas Rusek. As a young player, he doesn't have to play in that second line where Quinn is because right. like a guy that, that was on the line in the lineup last year that can move up and play. Say they keep the lines the same, and you're looking at a Cousins Paterka duo, and who's going to fill that other wing? Why not Peyton Krebs, even though he played center last year? Yeah, Krebs is skilled. He got some more hard nosed termination experience under his belt playing with Akposo and Gergensen's last year. Why not Peyton Krebs? And they're deep. They're deep at center compared to other years. They're much deeper at center. Casey sure. Middlestat's emergence last year gives them a ton of flexibility with what mm -hmm. they do with all these guys. They have so many guys that can play center and play wing, and it doesn't. You know, any guy can go up and down the wing, right? Yeah. So plug and play. But um, you know, at Victor Olson, if he comes in and has a match lit under his ass, he can fits he there go, too. Kenny, let me ask you this: You've been around prospects. You you know them better than anybody. You know hockey as good as anybody. At some point of your career, are you? You are what you are. Yeah. Like, how much can he change? What's gonna, What could be different realistically? What could be different about Victor Olofsson, the good and the bad, as opposed to what we've seen the last couple of years? Like, what, what is it about him that could click 
that he'll become a more complete player and not as streaky as he's been. I think he has to move around the ice more. He has to win more battles and not just be a one-trick pony waiting for the puck to come to him. And, you know, right. He has to just show a little bit more in the corners and win some battles for himself, create more for himself. Don't wait, excuse me, for someone to just feed you a puck and you use your amazing shot. That's not how it's going to work for him. Now, he's got a great skill. Guy can score a ton of goals. It's pretty nice. It is. Pretty nice skill to have. But It know. seemed like a foregone conclusion there at the end of last season that he was going to get moved. That's what I kept hearing and seeing. He was going to get traded. Didn't happen. And then Quinn gets hurt, which kind of makes it almost a lock. Yeah. Olofsson's here. See, for those minutes that he would have to play to play with Dylan Cousins, I mean, Cl Cousins is your clear-cut second-line center. Sure, yeah, They yeah. keep Tage as a centerman, right? Um, which they're going to. You have to be responsible, and you got to win those battles like we talked about. And I'm eager to see if he just has, if he comes back with, he's learned. Maybe he's learned, and maybe he knows what he needs to do. Maybe he's willing to pay a price. Mm -hmm. We've seen guys change them the way they play. We'll see if Victor Olsen's one of those guys that can do it. But, I mean, am I hopeful? I want to see it. To believe it fair so training camp started today let me read a couple of the lines i wrote them down now there were three different groups that are practicing together group one group two they were i can't remember the colors and then a group three the group the third group is pretty much people are guaranteed to not be on this roster on opening day and then there's one and two some interesting uh lines put together on the first day of practice yeah. and again emphasize it's the first day of training camp Granado's going to be trying a lot of different things. You spoke about middle staff being flexible. Granado specifically spoke about him during the press conferences after practice today, saying ideally he'd like middle staff to stay at center, but he will play wing at some point. It's pretty much what Granado said. Yeah. But anyway, in this first group, the, uh, the four lines, and I didn't write them all down, just the ones with players that probably will be up start the year. He had Skinner and Tage Thompson, of course, with Zach Benson. Yep. That's I would assume that's just to get the kid a look playing with you know i'll be real short play. on some of these comments zach benson that's a to me that's a reflection of the confidence that zach benson plays with yeah and they're going to put him up there with the big boys and see if that confidence leads to execution he's yeah. a really confident player and he's good, skilled good good very skilled uh krebs centered uh Rusek and murray mm -hmm. and then uh tyson jones was centering olafson in greenway i guess the only thing i got out of that is is, is it not a foregone conclusion that it's going to be tage skinner and alex tuck on that first line, or do you think there's a possibility they're going to screw around with that? I would mess around with it a little bit in preseason, and you know, obviously they are here in preseason. But you know, as they get down, I would, um, I would definitely mix and match a little bit. Um, you know, Cousins, like first of all, Middlestat did a great job last year when Tage was hurt at the end of the yeah, year. Yeah, he did, and he was great with with Tuck Skinner. Yeah, you know what I mean. Cousins was great with Tage yeah. for a little bit. Um, I would mix and match because you know, keep keep uh, your opposition off balance a little bit, but. No, you know, for me, though, also, there's something to be said about having that steady Eddie, you know what I mean? Skinner and Tuck and Thompson. I expect them yeah. to go with that, just kind of play with the other combinations, get the other combinations right first. You know, I'm not going to do it, but I can have a, an entire conversation about how impressed I became with Casey Middlestat, kind of how much he won me over yeah. last year because I was really down on him. I was ready to be done with him, and that was premature and stupid. It's a beast on the boards, man. Yeah, 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 he competes. for sure. He competes. And then defensively, Stillman and Bryson, well, whatever. Yeah. Um, Darlene, a lot of people were wondering like who he might pair with early on or who Clifton might play with early on in camp. Well, and they the got answer, their answer day one was right there. Darlene with Clifton. Makes sense to you? Yeah, I think you have to see if, if Clifton's the top four. Um, I think he's got that club in the bag because kind of like we talked about with some of these guys, he competes hard, man. Plays yeah. the game hard. Not the biggest guy, but he can skate. Um, I like Clifton. Let's. Uh, I'm kind of curious to see how they function together. I mean, they're just getting to know each other, and they have a lot of work sure. to do together. Yeah, you're not. You're not going to know what that duo is right away. It's yeah. going to take them some reps, and let's see where it goes. I hope they're patient. Work and let them work through some kinks together. Group two: uh, Casey Middlestat centered Alex Tuck and, and Kulik. I thought yeah. that was interesting. Uh, Cousins was Paterka and Isaac Rosine. We talked about him earlier. Yep. Uh, Gerges is with Kozak and Weisbeck, and then defensively, Owen Power is with Yoki Haru and. Uh, Samuelson was with the other new guy, Eric Johnson. Yeah, I kind of like that. It's like a shutdown pair. Those are guys that you know, you're going to throw out there. Samuelson and Johnson, that is. Throw them out there on the PK together. Um, big guys, USA Hockey Products. I love that. You know, a lot of these guys are USA Hockey Products. But I like that pair. I'm kind of intrigued by, you know, I, everyone wants to hear who Power is going to play with and who Dylene's going to play with. I think that Samuelson-Johnson pair is that like sexy, you? man. Yeah, I love that. It's, I like defense, man. What do you make of Yoki Haru at this point? Serviceable. Yeah. And that's kind of. Do you want a serviceable guy play with Owen Power though? Is that good? 
Um, well, Power's got to play a ton of minutes, so I think that they want to see, again, the, kind of like what we talked about, see if, just like we said with Clifton, see if Yoki Haru can thrive in that role and just keep his game simple. Because Power is a guy that roves around the ice, covers a lot of ground, he's all over the place. Um, Yoki Haru just has to just hold down his position and, and play competent defensive hockey, and maybe it works. We'll see. A couple more hockey things. Um, Darren Drager, I, I have to bring this up, and uh, a lot of people don't like that. I will say this, though. If there is one area where Pat Kane is going to be loved in Buffalo, you're sitting in it right now. It would be Imperial Pizza. Yeah, you want to, Imperial he brought the pizza. cup here, man. He grew up around here. He brought the cup here. Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah. He brought the cup here. There's uh, there's a jerseys of a lot of players here, but there's multiple Pat Kane jerseys. So I better kind of whisper this. If there's going to be any King or slander, I better whisper it here in Imperial. All right. I might get my ass whooped. <laughs> at this place. But on a serious note, Darren Drager uh, tweeted today on Thursday that he's continuing to rehab. He had hip surgery. He'll be out in at least another month. And the one team he specifically said in his tweet that has reported interest in Kane is the Sabres, the Buffalo Sabres. Um, goes without saying, the hometown kid, I, I get it to that extent, but I really don't think Kevin Adams or Terry Brickle really care about that shit. Did that surprise you to hear that the Sabres reportedly, according to Drager, at least have interest in Kane? Do you see if he were to come here, like what kind of fit would he be? We kind of already got in a pretty good gauge of what the fan reaction is. Although if he became a Sabre, I think that would change pretty quick. What's your thoughts on that? So I think the Sabres are looking at every option. They're having every conversation. And they should, they're, right? Yeah, they're, they're in that position to have every conversation. Yeah. Um, personally, I don't like... Here's the thing. I think I didn't see this by the way. This is the first I'm hearing about it because I oh, went yeah. right from work, walked yeah. the dogs, came and plowed through, having a life, plowed through wings with you. <laughs> um, I love it. I love it, you and did. I bet you everyone hates it because I think that there's this thought that he's going to get. We don't know what the money's going to be. It's all about the money. Um, but like a guy that has that experience has cups. It's not about the Buffalo. I don't. I don't care about the Buffalo thing. Yeah, I, just think, I don't I think much he's either. Still, he's still a really good player. Is he still a really good player? I'm at, I'm not being sarcastic. I'm asking you, you know, dead serious. I, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, he's still a really good player. He's, he's still a good player. So I, I mean, the post on Twitter today, and again, whatever. You know how Twitter is. It can of be, course, I do. It can be useful, but it can be a big ass yeah. cesspool. We talk about that shit all the time. But the post on Twitter today was not favorable towards from fans towards Pat Kane coming here again. Mm -hmm. I really don't think Kevin Adams is looking at fans' tweets and saying, "Oh, you know what? We don't want this guy." What's anymore. the money? What's the money? I mean, I think that matters. What's his role? Let's just pretend for the sake of discussion, Chris, that the Sabres are interested in, and he wants to be here. What, what's his role? Well, first of all, the Sabres are going to have some injuries. I worry about some of these players in the, on the forward ranks. I think, you know, Alex Tuck isn't old by any means, but he's got a lot of wear and tear, man. Like, mm -hmm. what happens if he goes down? Well, there's Kane's role. Okay. Very true. Um, Good you know, point. Good point. Just what are we talking about with, you know, Cousins, like with Quinn being out? I mean, man, could you imagine Kane out there with, like, Cousins and uh, Paterka? I think that'd be fun. But, no, I his role is kind of like you look at it with Eric Johnson coming in the team, a guy that's been there, done that, is still a, one of the youngest, I think the youngest team in yeah. the NHL. His role is experience. His role is offense. And I, I trust me, I understand Twitter. I get it. You know, and he had some bad press following him around for a long time we're not going to talk about that but it's like i'm not just hockey pure hockey some people don't want to let that shit go though that's well, kind of that's kind of the problem and uh the court of public opinion is the court of public opinion that's fine i'm not um i'm not even commenting on it. i'm saying from a hockey standpoint he's mm -hmm. still a good player and if the money's right i think it'd be really exciting he's still got some mileage left yeah. Well, I mean, I say, yeah, like I know that. He's I kept, didn't know that. He's so I asked you. He's kept himself out of trouble. Now, and I know it's an unpopular opinion. Trust me. I see the same people talking the same shit, citing the same stats when he was on a bad team in Chicago. And he wouldn't come to Buff. The Sabres wouldn't sign him if he didn't want to be here, even if everything worked out. So the fact I think he, there was a part of him that maybe he'd love to come back home and play here and, and have whatever his role might be. I would do it. I'm, I'm I would do it, but I don't expect it to happen either. I don't expect right. it to happen. I just thought it was interesting that that was that was the one team that he specifically mentioned because I guess he's working out and rehabbing in Toronto, and he mentioned the Sabers as the uh, the one team. Look, I mean, again, Kevin Adams' job is to bring the right talent, the right experience, and the right personalities in the room. Kevin Adams knows Patrick Kane, and if he's making judgment on that and thinks it's a fit. 
he's made some really good moves for this team. Mm -hmm. He's built the team in a really, um, he's been very systematic, very thorough, very deliberate. He didn't overspend this year. I don't know. I think that I think fans should be a little more open-minded to trusting Kevin Adams. If Kevin Adams think the player is the right fit for the situation, then trust him again here. Yeah, and I think that comes a little bit with winning. What's different about the expectations? So the expectations are playoffs, and, and we hear about it. We heard about it a ton today. A lot of fans are feeling that. The players are feeling that, which they should, of course. What's different about this team right now as opposed to when um, Sam Reinhardt and Jack Eichel and this guy, you know, they had some nice young players, motorcycles flying by here on Ever Road. Um, but anyway, like, what's the difference right now between this team, the young players on this team, and the expectations as opposed to, say, a handful of years ago when it was Sam and it was Jack, and you had your, like, your young core, Kane was around, and there was a lot of expectations that obviously didn't work out. Some of these young guys that they have now, like, I, I still consider Tage, you know, he's kind of, he's not like, you know, a spring chicken, but he's, you know, he's he's had success here mm -hmm. as a young player, and he's moved on from this young, uh, looking to prove himself, and now he's the man. That's kind of Josh Allen in a way. That's important. I think that's important because you didn't really see that in the, the, mm -hmm. the previous iterations of the Sabres team. Um, it's just a really, you know, again, they haven't overspent. They've put such a focus here on having the right personalities, mixing the right guys together in that room. Yeah. And it matters. And people like, that's the other thing too. It's just like, when you talk about Kane, you kind of, it's predictable. What people are going to say, well, it's predictable when you talk about culture, there's people that say culture doesn't matter. Well, actually it matters pretty much in every business. Yeah. I don't care. They put such a focus on the right guys here. And it sounds hokey sometimes with Kevin M's like, you know, what it means to be a saber. Well, he has an idea of the, like the, the person and who they are and who he wants to like, he's hand selected all these guys. You That's know, the biggest difference. It's not Evander Kane. It's not Ryan O'Reilly. All these guys came with warts. Robin Leonard came with some warts. These guys from the past. I don't see that here with any of these guys that they brought in right now. They've all brought him in at the right time as a young team. They were very, I know I'm kind of, the last thing I'll say is that they wanted to fit guys at the right age group and have them grow together. Like the biggest thing about this team mm -hmm. this year is don't discount. I know they didn't go shopping for big talent this year in free agency or trades. Don't discount what another year of experience with the same group coming back and being that short of making the playoffs last year, what that means to this team, what it's going to mean. You know, you, you brought, you bring up a great point, culture. And there are a lot of fans who will say that culture doesn't mean shit. And to that, I say, have you ever worked at a company as a job in your regular job, the culture is shit in your office. What happens in that office? Things don't go well. You know, you don't have any teamwork and you're only looking out for yourself. You're not helping out anybody else. You're not growing together. It's like that in business. It's like that every day. So I don't know how anyone could say that like culture doesn't matter. And it's just talent. That's completely bullshit because it's not true. Ryan O'Reilly said that he lost his love for the sport when he played in Buffalo. You know what he was saying? The culture's not good. Yeah. He, was he wrong? No. Right. But wrong. now you have guys that love coming to the rink. And that matters. That does matter. And I'm not, listen, I'm not telling anyone they're wrong. And I'm not saying that it, you, you have to have a good culture to win. No, but it helps. Yeah. There's been plenty of teams that were a mess. You know, was it the 86 Mets? Were a mess. <laughs> One of the that best. That's my books. dad's favorite team. I, lo I love that team. You know, yeah. that was from the, that's from when I watched baseball, right? Yeah. But they were, they were a mess, but they were awesome. You yeah. know, so it's not like a, you know, a prerequisite. It's, but it helps. Sure, it sure. Helps. Let me backtrack real quick before we uh, wrap up here. Somebody said in a comment, uh, Juice81, going back to developmental camp, he wants to ask you, who stood out at developmental camp? Who's Who was like your top three guys who stood out at camp? Um, You know, the obvious ones to me, so Isak Rosane I thought was great. I thought um, Savoy before he got here, but I want to pick on those guys because I think everyone knows those guys. Sure, that's low-hanging fruit. I think Tyson Kozak was excellent. Yeah. I texted Matt Fairburn. Twice after two of those three games, I said, Kozak, beast. And he was under the tutelage of Michael Pekka last year as a professional rookie, and it shows. Yeah. Okay. Kozak's beast. I thought he was excellent. I thought um, I thought Ryan Johnson was really good. Skating. When I was describing to you earlier how the Sabres were very fast moving mm -hmm. the puck, mm -hmm. like getting it, scanning, getting it off their stick and moving the puck, in my head, I was envisioning – Ryan Johnson, spark and transition. So, you know, he comes into Buffalo at Rochester this year, first professional year of four years of college. He's a polished product, but he stood out. Who else? Um, I would say, 
I mean, I have to, I, I have to go back, I think, to Rosane just because I thought he was that good, that dominant, especially that first game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like, I, you know, Nadeau did some good things. I'm just trying to go through, you know, my mental Rolodex real quick. Yeah. Like, Nochev had some good moments, but the guy that keeps coming up besides Kozak and besides Ryan Johnson, you know, Novikov was fun. Oh, you know, actually, actually, you know, the other one for me, and again, he's an older guy, Zach Metza. I talked about him a lot on the broadcast. He's a right shot defenseman. Um, he's not very big, but he's one of those guys that you talk about positionless hockey. Mm-hmm. He's the poster child for it. He's always up at the edge of the crease as a defenseman the, like the, in the offensive zone. Okay. Um, he doesn't have an NHL contract. I don't know. There's not a lot of room for him either, though. Even though he's yeah. a right shot D and you could use him, I thought he was great. Yeah. I thought he was great. Like a guy I brought up to Razor. I said, Razor, what do you think with this guy? Like, this could be a compelling storyline in training camp. Could he get an NHL contract? Meanwhile, he's going to be fighting for playing time at the same time in Rochester because they're so stacked with defensemen. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of funny how that works, but I know, but I thought he was really good. By the way, so we were talking about him his own nice out earlier, you know, it's still summer. I think in the middle of this podcast, one single episode, I feel like it went from summer to fall in one chat because oh. I'm starting a little bit chilly. Well, it's because you're you, not drinking wine, man. Wine it warms the soul. <laughs> I need to. Joe Boone needs a well, refill. We, we definitely better start winding down now. Yeah. Then Chris Baker's out of wine here. Um, are you a little surprised that neither, and we're going near the end of September, we're in a training camp now, that neither Rasmus Dahlin or Owen Power have signed new deals, especially Dahlin, because it was widely assumed, if not reported, that summer that that deal was pretty much, you know, it was done, it was just a formality. But here we are, and, and it's not done yet. It probably still will be, but... I think Dalina get done. I'm surprised that it's not done, but I expect it to get done soon. I'm not mm. surprised that Owen Power's not done because um, I know that everyone, you know, there's a, a big slant. Like when you listen to sports media, and I'm, I'm not saying this negatively. I just think everyone thinks that they're gonna like have him under a, a long-term deal, and I don't know why Owen Power's agent would sign a long-term deal right now. Right. He shouldn't. He should. He should sign a uh, like a short-term deal. I think. Wait to see where the market goes, cap goes up, all that stuff, because he's gonna be a 10, $11 million defenseman at some point in his sure. career. So why would you lock yourself in now making nine, nine and a half or whatever the hell the number is? Um, so I'm not surprised that power's not done. I'm a little, I'm, I'm a little surprised that Darlene's not done, but I expect it. Give it a week or two. Les Sabres thing going into the season. I, I want to get what your realistic, realistic ceiling. Obviously the ceiling would be winning the Stanley cup. Most teams would feel that way, but what's your realistic ceiling right now from what fans can see from the Buffalo Sabres? This season, this season. Oh, I think they're a playoff team. I think so. First of all, I think Devin Levi is gonna have very few. I should, you know, is this wood? Like, I think Devin Levi is gonna have very few lulls. Like, he's gonna have some Mm -hmm. bad nights, but they're gonna be few and far between. I don't think you're gonna see these rapid, like these wild peaks and valleys with his game. I think he's got special mental mindset. I I just think he has it. Um, I'm not saying, you know, and I think you'll, you'll, he'll be in that Calder thing that Bedard's gonna win. Okay, but he'll be in that discussion because he's going to be that, I think, uh, special of a goaltender this year. I think he's going to be good. Um, and goaltending changes the whole look of your team. Of course. So I think, that, I think they're going, to be com- they're going to be competitive by virtue of that. I think, again, keeping guys healthy. So what's the ceiling? You know, could they be a 100-point team? Yeah. Are they a playoff team? Absolutely. And I think that Detroit got better. I think Ottawa got better. And, like, look. It's so unpredictable, man. Oh God! No one saw Boston having a record-setting year last right, year, and right. they were amazing. Um, and who knows? Everyone's thinking Boston's going to go backwards this year. I don't know. I can't make that guarantee. The only, you know, whether it's Buffalo or Weber, when a team moves up, that means somebody's got to be out. That's the problem. Yeah. It's like, yeah, the Sabres are playoff. They could be very much playoff caliber, but then now you're taking a team who makes the playoffs last year that's out this year. And that's assuming the Sabres are the only team that's out that's in yeah. this year. So I it, think they're in, really I yeah. think they're in like, look, it's a hundred points aggressive. It's a big number, but I think, sure. I think it's attainable. Am I guaranteeing? Of course not. Right. I'm not making no, that guarantee, no, no. but I think that they have the feel of a hundred point team. If they stay healthy, Samuelson stay healthy. Cause like everything comes together when Samuelson stays healthy to me. Yeah. You know, I just think that the pairs He's are low better key, one of the most important players on this team. I think so. I think yeah. so. I mean, it's no coincidence that they they started hitting losing skids when he got hurt last year. Mm-hmm. But, you know, what's funny is that, like, when you look at his numbers, like his underlying statistics, it doesn't suggest that he's always, like, a great force, like his pair. And I don't know. Um, he just brings it all together. Yeah, I get it. I get it. I probably let you go. I mean, everyone knows you for hockey, obviously, but you talked about it. One of the sports you enjoy, you're, you're a football guy. 
I could have sat here and talked Bills with you probably for, you know, a full hour. We're two games in, going into game three this week. Um, what What's your thoughts and your, your impressions on this team? What are you seeing from them that you like that's sustainable? And what's, like, your biggest concerns right now early in the season? Like, legitimate concerns. I'm not going to lie, all right? So I'm not going to sit here and bullshit you. I listened to the game on Sunday. I didn't watch it because mm -hmm. I had a day off. We, we worked Friday, Saturday, and a game Monday. Mm -hmm. I laid in the hammock. With yeah. Beautiful young lady. <laughs> Get it in, man. Get we it just in. laid in the hammock. We relaxed. We had a great day, man. Yeah. We, had a, we had a whole day. Went to went to five points. I was telling you about the butter block. You got to yeah. get down there, dude. Where, that's on the west um, side? Yeah, west, west side, five points. Went, went to Five Points Bakery. Had a beautiful breakfast. Went to oh. Trader Joe's, and we laid in the hammock all day. It was perfect. That Listen is, to the game a little that, bit. That does sound perfect. Until she reached over and shut it down. She's like, yeah. Uh, enough of that. No, but, um, <laughs> you know, I my concerns this year were – just you know consistency at the quarterback position like the, the i was nervous with the first game man josh allen brutal but i'm i'm looking at it positive get it out of the way now yeah get it out of the way now um jets are like his kryptonite too he just never plays good against the jets you know offensive line play like have they held up for the second I, game i thought they played excellent against the raiders okay I, I thought they were excellent against the raiders um they schemed Max Crosby really well. Max Crosby was not a factor. So Spencer Brown did really good, but it wasn't just Spencer Brown. I like football, by the way, and I understand the game, mm -hmm. okay? I believe it's one in the trenches, right? But, like, I, I see Twitter all the time. Like, the hardcore people are, like, so upset about Kair Elam. Like, what if he's service? Like, like we talk about Yoki Harry. What if, what if he ends up just being useful? Is it okay? I, or is it, like, I, I a miserable? Okay like, everyone, like, he's either a starter or you cut him? Well. In his second year? Yo, I wouldn't compare him to Yoki Haru. I would compare him to, let's pretend Stillman was a, pro, a really high prospect, but can't get in the game. He's a, he's watching the games in the press box. Yeah. Because the Bills are two games in now. and they're He didn't play Sunday, pick, right? He was inactive. Yeah. So he hasn't been active. I mean, I get inactive. that. Then it's cause for alarm. But like even through training cramp, it was just like, I don't know. I cover prospects, right? So it's like they're, you're, you're giving them a chance. Well, then you would understand this analogy more. It's like, say, a, a much more coveted prospect to save or sign was a higher pick. Yeah, and then you go watch them play at developmental camp, and then a guy who's a we just went through with Middlestat. Exactly, exactly. Um, you know, someone he's just getting outplayed. Christian Benford has been he's just flat out outplayed. And he was what a six rounder, he was a six rounder. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So anyway, um, <laughs> no, I, I I'm excited for uh, James Cook. Yeah. I think that he's he looked really good. I think Sunday. he's got he's got he had that juice in the second half. You could see it, man. He looked like his brother. I'm excited for you know Latavius Murray. I know he had a touchdown. I'm excited for the I running like backs. Yeah. I like I just I think like we talked about versatility in different roles. Got a pass catcher and cook. Got yeah. another, you got two guys that can pound it. I'm I'm a little bit concerned about this game on Sunday. A little bit. Um Commanders maybe, aren't a joke. Exactly. They're not a joke now. They beat two scrubby teams, but they're still two and oh, but it's their front four of their defense. You know, they they're really good. Chase yeah, Young Chase Young's, sick. Chase Young's great. And the Jets, that's how they kind of beat up on the Bills. They dominate with that front four. Now the back seven for Washington is nowhere near as good as the Jets. Yeah. So that's where I think that there's a big difference. But anyway, last point, Josh Allen, to his credit, he went out and he sucked against the Jets. He was I mean he was just fucking terrible. But he comes back and he wins the AFC. Offensive player of the week, the very next week. So I guess that's one way to redeem yourself, kind of get that confidence back a little bit. It was great, though. His, he was basically like, who gives a shit? Yeah. Right? And that's how it should be. Yeah. And it, it that's how like it should be. And that's the right answer, even though, you know, he's probably excited, like a little <laughs> bit, right? Like redemption after coming yeah, off the he week did. he had. Um, no, that Jets game, though, um, just last thing I for you on that, Allen played poorly. Some of the play calls were just, to me, oh, sure. as a, you know, I've watched football my whole life, but I don't get into it like half you guys do. Some of those play calls were just yeah, they weren't sketchy. Good. They ran a ball in second and fifteen in overtime. I was ready to smash. What do you think that feet? fourth down play early in the game? Like as soon as like Rogers just got hurt, they got the ball back. Yeah, I know it was like what fourth and two. Yeah, and then by the way, didn't they go for one last week? Yeah, same similar spot in the game. Yeah. yeah. So why didn't they do that? Because I think I that could have changed the game around a little bit it against the Jets. It could have. Yeah, play calls were definitely not a strength. But for me, Josh Allen, forget throw the numbers out and the mistakes. Josh Allen looked like he was suffering through that game. He looked like he didn't want to. He wanted to be there, but he wanted him fun. And I know that sounds corny. But sports is fun. It's a game. And Sunday against the Raiders, he was just lively again. He was his energetic. You know, he was the body language, the enthusiasm. When he was Home playing game. against the Jets, he yeah. was there on the bench sulking. It was almost in his mind. You could look at his eyes and be like, "Well, that's it all. Here we fucking go again." That Jets D is tough, though, man. Yeah, yeah, for they're sure. tough. So I mean, you have to kind of give it to them too. But Josh Allen, if he's as good as everyone says that he is. 
he's got to find ways to eliminate yeah. some of those throws. Oh, and, absolutely. And win that game. And it, it's only one game, but he Zach stuck. Wilson, man, beat, oh, like you can't lose to that kid. Oh. But on Sunday, Josh really stuck to it. He, he stuck and he, and he took what they gave him. But most of like I said, he would just look like he was having fun. And that's important to me. Yeah. Not, and on that note, by the way, this was fun. We're going to wind it down here live from Imperial Pizza. One more time, 1035 Abbott Road. I mentioned this on the show with uh, Nate Gary last week. A new Imperial location coming soon. If you live near the Canisius College area on Main Street, you're in luck because a new Imperial is coming there. I think early November it's going to open. But anyway, make sure you check that out. Make sure you check out Prospects Avenue. Chris Baker at Savers Prospects on Twitter. Thanks, buddy. This was fun, man. We'll get, go get you one more. Uh, you know, I'm going to have a beer now. Yeah, actually. yeah, yeah. A little Sauve Blanc, baby. <laughs> I love saying it, too. Like, hey, th by the way, thanks for setting the camera up here so people can't see my belly. Are you kidding but me right now? Seeing, probably seeing my <laughs> glass cutters here since it got a little chilly, but that's all good, man. Hey, pleasure, dude. Oh, this pleasure. was fun. This was yeah. fun. All right, guys, I will talk to you. Enjoy the weekend. Uh, we'll be back actually Sunday night after the Bills game. Talk to you then. <laughs>